0: Thank God it's Friday. And once again, the eyes of the world are upon you. A great, vast 35-millimeter camera of existence records its scenes and then goes to the developing lab and never again can you change but an image nor but a sign on that great, Vest unseen soundtrack of life. I mean, that's the way uh, Omar Khayyam would have written it had he known about uh, you know cinema sculpt. <laughs> Bring it. <up. laughs> I mean, you guys see the world through a whole bunch of movie images. Bring it up there. <laughs> Hey, listen, I'm sorry I asked that question here a couple days ago, really, about uh, what was uh, the Lone Ranger's last name. I'm sorry. I have received over 27,000 people who have written and uh, claimed that his last name was Smithers. Well, now, wait a minute. I know that's not right, but what gets me is why they thought that the Lone Ranger's last name was Smithers. And I received over, believe me, over 500 people who said that his first name was Clifford. And that kind of uh, surprised me. What episode in the Lone Ranger series did they imply that the Lone Ranger's name was Clifford Smithers? And a lot of the letters said that he originally came from Philadelphia, which really bugged me. I'm telling you, the Lone Ranger from Philadelphia. His name is Clifford Smithers. (laughs) Oh, what a kick in the you-know-what. Please, if you will, Matt. Come on, hit it hard. Let's go. All right, it's fine. All right, here we go. Yeah! There we go. <laughs> what happened? you know, Friday, you just blow your thing, you know, just case it is. Well, no, I must say, uh, I must say I started uh, that thing, and I'm sorry about it. Hey, listen, I have a little note here we have to put for, you know, put out in front of the crowd here before we get too deeply involved here tonight. <coughs> Warming up my equipment. you ever hear me play my juice heart? Have you ever seen one? I don't think you, you, you play one? Come see, come see, huh? Well, I, I'll tell you, uh, speaking of Jews' Harp World, uh, I saw a, 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 a UP item that just came in off the wire here yesterday, or the day before, that out someplace in Idaho they had a uh, kazoo convention. And uh, they went on, to, you know, the whole thing, it says there were 20 guys played a kazoo in unison, and the whole bit, the, the whole thing about the kazoos. I wonder who's been popularizing the kazoo. That's amazing, I just wonder. But <laughs> nevertheless, they, uh, they had a whole thing about the kazoo convention. And then, and this is, uh, you know, this is just sickening to read this. The guy who was the writer for either UP or AP went on to explain what a kazoo was. He says, a kazoo is an instrument that has a slider in it and has a piece of cat gut. I have never in my born life existence, my total true uh, time on this uh, spinning orb, Ever seen a kazoo that had a slider on it that had a piece of cat cut in it? I don't know. <laughs> well, no, no, no. A lot of people have no idea what they think a kazoo is—a comb. A lot of people think it's a comb with some toilet paper there. You know, forget it. It is not. And uh, many people think one of these penny whistles is a kazoo. You know, whew, that kind of thing. No. And, uh, and uh, uh, other people confuse the harmon tone with a uh, with a with a kazoo. Not at all. That's terrible. That's like confusing a banjo for a harpsichord. It's just not, you know, (laughs) it's just not the same scene. Oh, uh, speaking of uh, uh, clearing up problems here today, how many of you are are, uh, Robert Morley fans? You ever see him in the movies, Morley? He's a very, well, you've seen him, I'm sure. He's one of those character actors that you see in English pictures who uh, uh, you'd know instantly if you saw him, but you don't know his name. Uh, he's been in, uh, you know, hundreds. He's very funny. I'll tell you one of the pictures he was in that you might have seen. Did you see the loved one? Did you see the loved one? Which was a turkey of, the, of fantastic dimensions. I, I, I uh, When I saw that picture, I, I, you know, the producer of it was there, and I said to him, say, listen, uh, would you like to really make a real, you know, these guys pride themselves on being black comics. You know, they use that term black comics. These are supposed to be sardonic satirists, right in the Jonathan Swift uh uh, camp, see, and so I figured, well, you know, black comedy, he would appreciate that black joke, and I went up to him, and I said, hey, uh, man, and he said, yeah, and, uh, he says, you know, I just seen your turkey in there, well, instantly, he turned a fantastic color, see, I figured, you know, he's interested in the truth, these guys always talk about truth, so I'm going to give it to him, I said, it's a bad picture, but, uh, you know, I'll tell you one thing I'd like to do, and he said, what, and uh, Terry Southern was there, too, Who's a very sensitive guy. Not a good writer, but sensitive as all hell. So, uh, uh, and that's maybe why he is sensitive. <laughs> so so uh, he says, what, what, what what would you like? I says, you know what I'd like to do? And he said, what? I would like the cranberry concession for the lobby. And uh, I said, why don't you open up a place where people, instead of buying popcorn, can take cranberry in to see your pictures. You know, get a little cranberry in the dish there. It would be a fantastic gag, and everyone would love you for it. And think that you're really doing it. You know, these two guys walked away. You know, at the, I could see that humor is usually one way. Don't try to pull a gag on Jules Pfeiffer. He does not see the humor of it. <laughs> I mean, uh, frankly, just don't. Don't you try it. And uh, you know, I saw Paul Krasn the other day, and he was celebrating his thirteenth birthday. And I, I just wanted to uh, c- congratulate Paul. He's the only guy I know who has birthdays that go backwards. And uh, you know, it's a, and that's a yes. He's he's conquered time, space, existence, life, truth, and duty. Uh, which means uh, that we uh, have to tell you what the uh, why I was mentioning Robert Morley, the terrible. Just you know, notice uh, that the peripherally we skirt an issue here, and let's get right at it. There was a very embarrassing moment on a set the other day with Robert Morley. Did you see it in the paper? If you didn't, listen to this one. British actor, Robert Morley. Now, he's a very elegant type, by the way. Robert Morley is a a country squire in real life. And uh, he plays these uh, elegant dilettante-type people, which I understand he is in real life. But uh, anyway, he does this. And this must have really gotten to him. British actor Robert Morley, a 300-pounder who would never have made the Light Brigade, stopped filming a cavalry charge... Near London, here Friday, when his overburdened horse kept sinking deeper into a muddy field. <laughs> he's leading the charts. Eh? His horse kept sinking in the mud because he's so fat. Morley's weight drove the horse's hoofs eight inches down into the rain softened field. And the cameraman for the film, Cromwell, they're making a film called Cromwell, complained that both man and horse kept sinking out of camera range. They <laughs> kept sinking down. <laughs> well, you know, if you if you know anything about these big-time, uh, wide-screen, 70-millimeter movies, obviously, if you're going to film a charge for Cromwell and all that, it's wide-screen. They ain't filming that in little Super 8 and they Instamatic, you know. That uh, that everything has to be focused precisely. I mean, oh, boy, I mean, they, you, you just, if you move, an inch to one side of, of the spot where you're focused in the camera. Forget it. Uh, I've made a couple of movies and I, I mean you know real professional types, uh, Hollywood movies. And when you move, everything is is com- not only completely controlled, but it's all diagrammed, of course. Uh, of course, this is true of a stage play, but it's much looser in the stage production. You know if you if you could ever get close to a, to a stage, most people never really get on a really professional stage. I'm talking about, you know, like the Lunt Fontaine or someplace where they're doing Hamlet or something. I mean, a big-time production. You would see the entire stage is crisscrossed with thousands of tiny little crosses and circles made out of uh, adhesive tape, usually. Little strips of white adhesive tape and uh, (laughs) where they can move it so they can take it to another... They change the blocking. And the actor is, of course, constantly aware... Of these thousands of little tiny things that he's moving in and out of, you see, and so at a certain point in a speech, he knows he's got to move from the, this little cross to the one that's a little bit to the left and below, or perhaps downstage from that first one, because this is where the light slowly begins to to pick him up, you see, and and as he delivers his speech, he moves ever so slightly to the right. It looks very very uh, casual on stage, you see, but uh, it's about as casual, believe me. Uh, as, uh, as the average uh, Orthodox Catholic right. I mean, you know, it, it, it's very, very strict. I mean, it moves along according to a whole set of uh, patterns. Well, the movies are even worse uh, because you got a camera. You have everything there that's uh, that's all involving not only lights and focusing and so forth, but the camera is largely immobile. It's not like the human eye. You see, the human eye sitting in an audience, can he can follow you. But a camera, no, forget it. And so uh, Morley, sitting on this big fat horse, sinking into the mud, he kept sinking out of the scene. <laughs> you just see him sinking down. And so they had a, you know, look. You know, it was a bad scene. So they were they were complaining about it. And uh, the uh, Morley, who was leading the charge in his leading role as the Earl of Manchester, I mean, you can just see him with his sword up, you know, wearing this this 19th century British Empire-type uniform, the Earl of Manchester leading the seventh royal foot hussars. He's charged, you know, he's ro- and his horse sinks down in the mud <laughs> doesn't go. <laughs> what a moment. He was finally kept in focus when they had a bill just for his horse. You see, all the other guys are riding forward. Now, you, you've seen these fantastic charges in the movies. You see, that's also very, 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 very tightly controlled. And so you see these charges of these guys ride forward and the, and the uh, you know, the rifts are getting stuck in the belly by C. Aubrey Smith, you know, and the people are screaming and they hit on a whole bit and the Indians are falling up and all the stuff. Well, uh, it's very complicated. And so here he was leading a charge and they had to build a special wooden runway for his horse so it wouldn't sink down on the mud. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's terrible. You know, uh, uh, this... Uh, you know, this horse business, I don't, I don't want to bring that any further. But uh, when you watch a movie, you know, it's funny how people relate to things. Uh, some people relate to the stars. You know, oh, yeah, they see every movie that Peter O'Toole made. And, uh, you know, it takes them a while to realize he's making the same movie over and over again. But nevertheless, they, they <laughs> you know, they go to see, <laughs> most people don't even ever see that either. But uh, they, they'll see every movie that Richard Harris makes or uh, Julie uh, Andrews, or whoever it is. You see. And then there are other people who are hooked on types of movies. So uh, they'll see every, uh, every uh, S&T movie, or T&S movie, depending on which way you prefer to use it. You don't know what that means? A TNS and s movie? Well, uh, if you don't know, friend, I'm not going to tell you. I don't want to be the one to spoil your beautiful, pristine innocence. I'll tell you. But that's a... That's a uh, a, uh, a phrase that is used in the biz to describe a certain type of movie. You can tell them. Uh, go ahead. <laughs> it's called a TNS movie. <laughs> and uh, usually this type of movie uh, has a, an actress of the type of Yvonne De Carlo. She's always in something like that. And, uh, yeah, and, uh, and you see a lot of them galloping over the sands with the camels and all that stuff. It's groovy. I mean, uh, at the... Gary uh, Kerry Grant as an aging uh, commandant of the French Foreign Legion. This is a this is a TNS movie. I'll give you a clue if you want to know what it means. The S stands for sand. <laughs> That's a TNS movie. All right. Uh, so uh, anyway, uh, you see, there's certain people who will go for a type of movie. They'll see every TNS movie. Now, they don't know they're that. They say, I love desert movies or uh, Arab movies. They go to see this. Then there's the kind who will always go to see westerns. They go to see westerns. That's their type. Then there's the type who, uh, you know, just... uh, I can't imagine. Is there a certain type that goes to see Jerry Lewis movies? I doubt that. I mean, does anyone go to see them? I guess they do. But uh, nevertheless, that's the guy that goes for type movies. Then there's the kind who goes to certain movie houses. So there's certain types who will never miss a picture that's playing at Cinema 1 or Cinema 2 or uh, the a, th- a Street Theater. The see, that in itself is, a, is an imprimatur. That uh, kind of is a statement if it's playing there. But now I'm getting into something really subtle. I know a person who is such a total cuckoo that she goes to the movies... Because she watches the horses in the movies, she does not couldn't tell you who was starring in this picture. She can tell you what horse was in it. In fact, she, you know that in Hollywood, almost all the same horses appear in all the movies. Did you know that? In other words, uh, there's a big place out there that rents the horses to the to the movies, <laughs> and these are these are all these are definitely all seasoned ham type horses. Uh, Have you noticed certain horses, uh, when they get within camera range, uh, they're like this big gray that, uh, let's say, uh, uh, Glenn Campbell is riding on, the current hero type, Uh, this gray. You see, he knows he's in in the star uh, role because he knows, you see, being an old veteran horse, he's played all kinds of movies. He can tell by whether or not the guys are wearing black hats that are riding him. So if a guy's wearing a black, uh, black hat, forget it. He's just there in the crowd. He's, he's known as the, uh, the, the Claggett Boys. And uh, who's going to see him? However, if he looks up and he sees this guy getting on top of him, he's got a white hat, and he usually's carrying a guitar, well, he knows that he's going to be right there in the front. He's going to be it. And so he proceeds to act. Now, how do they act? Well, here, I'm not kidding. Here's what happens. Here's, here's the hero, see, who usually can't ride for nothing. You know, the average, the average hero has trouble getting his Pontiac started, you know. And uh, he's scared because his car's got Mustang on the side. He, you know, he, he can't. Uh, he, he, oh, yes. Oh, you see some of the worst riding in your life in, in Western pictures. And so here comes this guy. You, he's got this scared look. Now, a lot of people think it's a determined look. Uh, yeah, they'll see this guy riding in to do battle with the Claggett boys. You know, he's uh, down in this little tombstone-type town with the wind blowing down the western street, and you see this stone face of a man who is riding this lone stranger coming out of the Purple Hills. And he's got this look of fanatic, just tremendous determination on his face. Well, what he's really determined about is to stay on this rotten horse. And he's hoping the horse doesn't bite him. He's he not worried about the Claggett boys, you see. <laughs> and so he comes riding into town, and you can see his behind is moving back and forth. He's trying to hang on to the saddle. See, well, they get right into the... Have you noticed? They get up to the crest of this hill. See, and they're outlined against the sunshine there. And, uh, you know, this tremendous sun, a big shot. And you can see the western prairies stretching out and down below. You can see the Sioux Indian fires. This guy is looking down for the first time on, the, you know, this fantastic scene. Well, what does the horse do? You notice what, the, what old Hambone does? The big gray... As soon as he's in, in range, he he tosses his head. He goes like that, and then he goes, you know that. And then he stands there like that, and his ears go up. See, and he looks tremendous profile. See, he's been trained by his owner. You see, the other side he looks like a mule. See, he's got this big jug head. If you shoot him from the left, on the other side he looks like man of war. See, so he turns his head. <laughs> he goes, <laughs> He has stolen the scene from Glenn Campbell, and that ain't really very hard. Uh, I mean, believe me, a Gila monster could, uh, uh, you know, a tap-dancing Gila monster could steal the scene. Mr. Campbell is one of the great non-actors of our time. I see that in you know, sort of a gom. Uh, I I, uh, I always feel that Glenn Campbell is one step away from uh, the bowling alley. He's, uh, you know, he's got that nice round face. I can just see him at the Route 3 driving, eating a cheeseburger, you know. And <laughs> with, a, with a purple jacket, says Plainfield AC on the back. So uh, anyway, uh, so this horse, you see, I'm, I'm a fan of the horse now. The, I, I never realized this. You see, I used to just go to movies. And, uh, there, there, of course, there is still a great underbody of total slobs like myself who do not know the fine subtleties of going to movies. And uh, when you get in with the specialists, that's when you begin to learn what movies are all about, and also you get a fantastic inferiority complex. Like, uh, I go with this girl, see the movie, all right? We're sitting there watching Western. And I say, oh, oh, kill them guys. Whoa! You know, there's a big fight going on with the Claggett boys, see? Oh, kill them boys. And she says, look at, look, at, look at that Appaloosa. Look, look at Watch him now. I said, what, what, Appaloosa? You know, is that the big guy with a gun? No, just watch the Appaloosa. He said, watch him. And I said, what, what? All of a sudden I found myself watching the horses in the middle of the gunfight. And sure enough, then I realized that the horses were totally choreographed, That, uh, that there are certain horses that appear in every scene where a guy gets shot off the horse. There are horses that are trained to have guys shot off of them. And then there are certain horses if you've seen this is a common scene you see this all the time in the movies you see the scene where, where there's the charge you know they're charging the little wagon train right and the, there's uh, and there they are you know there's John Wayne and the whole crowd down there they they're they they're, uh, they're all in battle see and you see these Apache Indians come they come roaring down out of the hills you know they start mad. of course unless Marlon Brando makes it if Marlon Brando makes it it's the other way around see uh, but, uh, I mean, you know, we rewrite we history constantly, depending on your own prejudices and bias. But uh, nevertheless, here you see these Indians. Ah, they're coming down out of the hills. Well, uh, you see, Chill Will, see, he takes, he, he's got this uh, Winchester 75, see? and he goes, and you see this Indian, ah, the horse rears up, you notice, and the Indian falls up, and the horse falls over on his side. You notice that scene where the horse gets shot? That is a high-paid horse, Daddy. That horse commands a premium. Did you know that, that, that there are about a dozen horses that are used in all the scenes where a horse has to pretend to be shot and for, uh, running full length? You know, he's running full tilt, and the chill wheels jumps up and goes, pow, pow, and the horse goes, oh, you know, and you see the Indian go flying off, and the horse rolls over. That is a, by the way, there are two different fees. There's the one where the horse just falls, and there's another one where the horse rolls after he falls. You know where he makes that roll? That is a trained horse, man. And you get 1,500 pounds of horse flesh falling like that and rolling. He is trained, and he's worth dough. Now, then there's the other kind of horse. You know that, Do you know there's a special type of horse they use? Have you seen the scene where uh, the cowboy will say? it's uh, Usually the cowboys are doing this. And uh, John Wayne's got to get back to the ranch, see, because... Uh, uh, the Claggett boys uh, are, are, are about to uh, sneak up on the chick there and the, he's got to get back real fast and the, the you know the bad guys with the black hats are, are ahead of him and he takes his shortcut you know he turns to his friend he says I'm going through the shortcut and he says, you can't get through there. You can't get through there. Big, big L. I'm going through the shortcut. And he goes, and you see him on this fantastic cliff, and he goes sliding down this cliff. Have you ever seen the one where they where he's riding the horse, and the horse is kicking up? Well, if you notice carefully, that is not the same horse he was riding earlier in the scene. Now, he's got his makeup on. You know, they painted little gray spots on him, but it ain't the same horse. This is a horse that has done nothing in his entire professional showbiz career but slide down cliffs, carrying Buck Jones, some of those horses are 150 years old. They started with D.W. Griffith. That is true. Well, now, this chick I know knows them all. She goes, she'll, go, she'll hear, she'll hear that the Big Red, for example. There's a famous horse called Big Red. Now, what does Big Red do? Well, Big Red is famous for taking falls at full gallop. And she will see a movie and wait two and a half hours to in line to see Big Red's big scene. I mean, the hell with the actors. She wants to see Big Red, you know. <laughs> now, do you want to hear another specialty in horses? Now, all right. How many times have you seen this scene where uh, these guys are, are riding in the stagecoach, right? And uh, they're, co- they're coming along in the stagecoach, and all of a sudden the bad guys, the Claggett boys, come out of the bushes and start chasing the stagecoach, okay? Now, what happens? Uh, for a while, you know they're going to catch the stagecoach. The stage never gets away in no movies. <laughs> Never. And yet, the, you know, the Western was all get excited about this, hoping one day it will. By the way, that would really louse up the whole script. When hey, that would make a funny bit. <laughs> Here's the clagging boy. See, the, the 107 coach is coming by. See, they know it's coming out of Tombstone, see. And they, they spotted it. See, there's Chill Wills, and, and the, all those guys are sitting up there. You know the old guys that always get shot? There's a whole under... Belly of of uh, cowboys, that you know they're going to get shot right from the beginning. They're always the bartender usually gets shot, and uh, there's there's a you know the preacher usually gets it too. So here they are, and and certainly the guy that's sitting in the left hand seat on the front of that uh, stagecoach, he's going to get killed. We know it, and he's a beloved character in the beginning. He's known as Old Gabby or something like that, and he's he's always saying nice things like, we I don't know about that Tom. I don't know. I just don't know, by George. And he uh, makes his little squeak. You know he's going to get one of the gut when he courageously tries to fight the, the Claggett boys off with his uh, Sears Roebuck 12-gauge shotgun, which jams at the last moment. But uh, nevertheless, here is the scene. Now, I, I, I could see a great movie. This would really a, be a funny bit. The Claggett boys. And, uh, let's see. Who, who would be the chief Claggett? Uh, got to get somebody really gut-evil just coming out of him. Uh... Oh, what's his name? The guy with the high cheekbones. Uh, not, no, 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 no. He plays good guys. I'm talking about a guy that continually plays bad guys. He's got the high cheekbones. Uh, Jack uh, Palance. Yeah, oh, all that. Hey, you know, he's known as Scott Claggett, right? And uh, here's his brother. See, uh, his brother is uh, is uh, Chuck, uh, what's his name? The ex-first uh, baseman, terrible first baseman, Chuck Connors, right? Chuck is playing snot uh, claggett. And uh, the, the, the two of them, are, you know, just evil guys. See, and their their father's old Flem, and, uh, and that's Burr Ives, See, Flem Claggett. and he sent the boys out to knock over the 107 stage. See, and he's got all the toadies. You see, uh, uh, one of their one of their brothers is named Toad, incidentally. And so here 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 are the three of them. See, they're waiting in the bushes. <laughs> Total evil, see, They're really they got the mask and the whole bit. You see old Gabby Hayes sitting up there at the front there whopping them horses along there. And they're going, yeah, yeah. They always say that, too. You notice that. That's very important. If you tried that in Central Park, the next time you go riding, you know how... Ah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, are hitting them you with know, a whistle ah, ah. And these horses... They're running. The smoke is coming out. The dust is flying. And there's Claire Treble. See, the school mom, the Boston school lady sitting in the back there. And the stage comes roaring down over the prairies. And with that, uh, old the uh, phlegm, see, Flem played by Burl, I say, Oh, boys, you get out there and get them. And I want to tell you, Toad, if you come back here and you ain't shot yourself, one of them settlers, you ain't no son of mine. All right, out they go, see and they go roaring down, uh, and they, they intercept the stage. They go roaring past, well, Gabby, hey, sees that, see, and he goes, yeah, 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 and he whips those his horses, they're running, and all of a sudden now they're all behind the stage. See, the stage is going hell-bent for election, right through this tremendous field, See, past all, her, past all the uh, uh, cactuses and junk, yeah, 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 he's yelling, and the horses are going, and you see that the stage is drawn away from them. And so, 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 Flem, you know, Flem sitting back there, you know, he sees this, see, Flem, he's the boss. He's a, get him, plug him, plug him in, come on, let's go. And pow, 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 they're shooting, they don't hit nobody. You know, pow, 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 pow. And there you you expect Gabby Hayes to get one in the gut, you know, immediately. And also, there's another convention that happens. You know what we would do? We would have to mousetrap all the viewers, see. what? How you mousetrap them is you take a shot of the wheel of the stagecoach. Now what does that mean to all movie Right, the wheel's gonna fall off, right? Okay. So you take a shot of the wheel, but the wheel don't fall off. It just stays on there. <laughs> and then you also take a shot, you know, where the horses are attached to the to the thing there, and you see these chains banging. You expect that to break, right? No, it doesn't break. So old old Gabby goes, Yeah, yeah, yeah and blah, 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 blah. the next thing you know, nothing but a cloud of dust on the horizon. <laughs> Toad says that's the That's the tenth damn stage that we have loused up this week. Damn it, we gotta get ourselves some horses, Flem. We gotta get rid of these old nags. (laughs) Now, that would be a good scene. I mean, a totally unsuccessful band of bad guys. Uh, Like, like, and then the next scene, you see, you see Flem. Flem walks in. See, Flem walks in. The, let's let's take not Flem See, he's always controlling the scene. Let's say Toad, uh, old uh, old uh, Toad Claggett. See, Toad is played by Ernest Borgnine. You know he's real bad. He's fat and bad at this one. See, he's real bad. He's the he's the muscle man. He's all you know. So Toad walks into the Silver Dollar, right? Now, who is at the bar but this friendly, nice sheep rustler? No, no. Friendly, r- nice, a settler. And he's got his wife and kids, okay? Now, you know what's going to happen, see? And you see the kids sitting over there, and there's his wife, and they have just come all the way. It's, a, it's it's, played by a nice guy. You have to get some real nice guy. Let's see, who's a nice guy who's a born victim in the movie? He plays victims all the time. Uh, n- not Richard Widmark. Dan Duryea is pretty good at that. He plays... He's always a victim. So he's the, he's the very solemn, hard-working guy, and we've seen shots of him. See, he's coming all the way through the prairies through terrible hardship, and he keeps saying, we're going to... We're just going to... We're going to people of West, Claire. At the, it's up to us little people. This great land of arn is going to have to be people by little people like us, Claire. And all right, they've come all the way West. And now they're in the silver dollar. And they run into Toad Claggett. Claude, you know, Toad comes in, and he walks up to the bartender. Husky. And the bartender gets scared. Everybody turns or scared, because Toad has walked in. And you know the shots of, uh, of all these card games that are going on? How they all look up like this? And they see that Toad is now looking at Dan Durier, who is down at the other end of the bar, drinking... A diet yoo-hoo. Now, remember that, uh, you know, good guys don't really drink in these movies. So he's drinking, let's say he's drinking a glass of milk. He's down there. And Toad sees him. It's a long pregnant pause. And you see the clock at a steeple. Going. See, that means that they, the other claggets are coming in at noon. And they're going to shoot up the town, right? And now, in walks Gary Cooper. You know, Gary walks in. And he's the the lone man from uh, Tarnation Gulch. Now, uh, how he got to be a lone man was one time when he was a kid, his brothers were shot by the Claggett Boys. And he's been pursuing the Claggett Boys ever since, right? And he's gotten this terrible reputation of being a gunslinger, which ain't really true, because he's really a good guy, see? But he's been looking for the Claggetts ever since. And he walks in and he sees Toad Claggett. And Toad Claggett is harassing Dan Durier. He is saying things like this. Who you think you're looking at? How about a glass of whiskey, huh? One of them Easterners drink milk, huh? Well, you come down here and you drink a glass of whiskey. And anybody that says he ain't going to drink with Toad Claggett better be prepared to back it up. And Dan Duryea's looking real scared, see? But, uh, sir, I uh, do not drink, and I have my wife and children here, and we have come out to settle the West, and uh, we are the good guys. Ain't gonna drink with Toad Claggett? Boys, you heard what he said? Ain't gonna drink with Toad Claggett, huh? <laughs> All you boys know what that means, right? He's insulted Toad Claggett. And we see, we see the lone rider of Tarnation Gulch, Gary Cooper. He has come to the other end of the bar, and Toad don't see him, see? With that, suddenly, big old lone rider takes out his six-gun, slams it down on a table. And with that, Toad, he hears this and he turns, and he sees the level blue eyes of Gary Cooper looking at him. With that, Gary says, Say that to me. How about inviting me to have a drink? You ain't gonna invite me, huh? Well, I'll invite you to have a drink, then. How about having a drink? That toad looks. You can see his face is contorted with rage. You see his giant muscles bulging. He is about to, you know, squash the lone rider of Tornation Gulch. With that, Gary Cooper takes his glass of whiskey and throws it in his face. They always do that in the Westerns. Like that. That toad It staggers back. He boys, boys, you seen what this guy done? Who are you, lone rider of Tarnation Gulch? And he says, you killed my brother, Cragley. You killed him after he had fought at the Battle of Manassas Gulch. You killed him, you and the rest of the Claggets, And I have pursued you throughout all of Texas, western Pennsylvania, and throughout New Jersey. And at long last, I come up against you. And I'm going to wreak havoc upon the entire Claggett clan. And Toad looks at him. And you see coming in the door behind Gary Cooper. In is coming Flem, carrying his triple-barreled shotgun that's been sawed off, and it's got a whip on the other end of it, see? He comes walking in, and he sees the seat. With that, he says, Toad, Toad, you ain't no son of mine unless you beat that, unless you beat that no good Rider from Tarnation Gulch to a pulp. Well, Toad looks scared, see, Ernest Barknight. He says, Okay, Papa. And with that, he belts Gary Cooper a shot, and Cooper is out. That's the end of the ball game. And they dragged the lone rider of Tarnation Gulch out, and all the, you know, all the guys that were sitting around there playing Penny Andy. He says, I knew he was a fake. Throw him out. And out he goes. With that Dan Durier comes up behind Toad, grabs him by the back of the neck, says, "What did you say? Pow And down goes Toad out like a light. With that he goes over and he gives he gives Flem such a karate shot like you never saw in your life. Crack! And everyone's saying, the good guy won. With that, Dan Durier pulls out of his out of his pocket a derringer. He says, all right, this is stick up. Give me your dough. And he rides off into the darkness with his wife and kids behind him, who are just shills and are actually midgets. It used to be in the the roller skating and tap dance game outside of eastern Pittsburgh. What a picture. And it goes (laughs) da-da-da-dee-dee-da-da-da-da. Now, oh, by the way, oh, you'd have to get Tony Bennett to sing that. He was a man from Tarnation Gulch. What looked forever and a day? Oh, he searched forever looking for them clagget crumbs, them crummy claggets. And one day he found them. Du-du-dung, du-du-dung. Oh, yeah, you, know, he, you get the. What's the matter? Huh? Well, I think that's kind of a nice picture. I mean, <laughs> nothing wrong with that. Well, let me tell you this, though. No, this is all part of the esoteric of movies. Absolutely. And this chick that I know knows every horse that's ever played in a major western and gets pictures of them, and they're autographed, most of them. uh, Now, on the other hand, do you know that some people are such esoteric-type movie fans that they go to see the cars in the movies, that uh, if, there's a, if there's a foreign picture, they only go to see the cars. Uh, <laughs> you know, that's true. Uh, there are there are people, for example, who, uh, oh, of course, you know, you get uh, really deeply involved in this esoteric, and you really get, it gets to be a sick scene. But, uh, uh, for example, in Japanese movies, that uh, all Japanese movies are made by the same actors. <laughs> I mean, they all, it's just the same. Uh, Mufuni makes them all. And, uh, yeah, his name is Mafuni, and he's in all. I think there is no real one Mafuni. It's a corporation. There must be two hundred and twenty-five different mufunis that play. You know, it's a whole different, it's a whole crowd. But the, the the worst movies in the world are Japanese horror films, Japanese science fiction films. Absolutely transcend any known horror themselves. I mean, they're not scary. It's just the you know the idea. <laughs> and so tonight uh, we want to salute uh, Robert Morley. Out there with his horse sunk down up to its hocks in the mud. You know, speaking of uh, of horses uh, and, and uh, the movie horses, one time in a in a in a production that I was involved in, did I ever tell you that I had to deal with an animal, and I had to deal with it every night, and every night the animal the animal got to hate me more and more. It's a baleful little two beady eyes that would look out of the cage every night, and I was supposed to reach into the cage. And pull it out as part of a big sight gag. And that little crumb, every night I would reach in the cage. It got to the point where it knew, you see, it would grab me by the thumb. And how many of you know that that golden hamsters have the ability to carry a grudge? This was a hamster, and I used to hate it. I'm on a stage. See, every night there would come that 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 that, that key moment. See, when I was supposed to say. Uh, what the hell, don't tell me. I'll, I'll give you the line. What the hell, don't tell me you love this crummy hamster more than you love me. And I would reach into the cage and pull the hamster out, say. I would reach into the cage and every night, ah! I'd get this and there'd be a squirt of blood across the... And I couldn't, you know, and I'd pull him out say, and he'd laugh. I mean, the hamster would actually laugh. I could just see him, you know. I'm holding him up by the neck and the, and the audience couldn't see this. It just looked like, oh, and you'd hear the audience go, oh. How cute. And, oh, my blood, you know, is dripping down over my, over my, over my wrist. And, I'm all, and the hamster's grinning. He's got this little you-know-what type of grin. I wish I could tell you. Mm-hmm. Oh, you like old Phlegm Claggett, don't you? Hang loose. Bring it up. here lodge. I'm singing pretty good. You know what and now, here's the star of our show, Boob McNutt. <laughs> Would that be groovy if we could say, stay tuned, stay tuned for Boob McNutt in the News, who follows in just a moment. <laughs> well, oh, it's all a matter of viewpoint, friend. It'll work in. Anyway.